Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth about ministry. You see, when God calls men, He gives them the ability to live out what He's called them to do. That means that you and I have all the potentials, all the capacity, all the essentials to live out a full, victorious, triumphant life of Christ. He will give you the gifts, the authority, the power, the door, everything. If God has called you, then God is sufficient for what He's called you to do. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Today, it seems we can't do the work of the ministry without the help of a seminar, a, a book, or a video series. But is that what God had planned for His church? Today, Pastor Xavier takes us back to the Gospel of Matthew as he shares the simple truth about the work of the ministry. Let's join him for today's important study. I've entitled the message, God, the Harvest, and Man. And we want to look at Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to chapter 10, verse 15. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has given out the principles of the kingdom. He has followed up with demonstrating His authority, His power, His credentials by touching the sick, expelling demons from those who were possessed, and in spite of that, he was accused of blasphemy because he forgave the man of sin, the palsy. He was equally said to be a sinner, or at least they were offended at him because he ate with sinners as he called Matthew and sat in his house in the party he threw with all the publicans. He was associated with the work of Satan for casting out demons, the prince of Beelzebub. And now Jesus is going to send out his 12 apostles in a limited commission. That's always the way Jesus works. First, he teaches us. Then, he shows us. And then he says, go do it. You don't have to make Christianity too difficult. You don't have to make ministry for the few though we know that not all are called to full-time ministry. But Jesus taught His disciples. He showed them. Then He says, let's see you do it. Is that not what we do as fathers to our sons and our daughters as we are raising them up and they want to help us outside? and We teach them. Then we show them. And then we say, let's see you try it. Very basic. Very simple. In this section, from chapter 9, verse 35, to verses 15 of chapter 10, we want to look at and observe at the heart of God for man. And there are three things that we're going to note regarding God's heart for man. The first is how God sees mankind. And we get that, verses 35 to the end of chapter 9, verse 38. And then how God calls men, chapter 10, verse 1 through 4. And then we're going to finish up with how God sends men out in verses 5 through 15 of chapter 10. Let me read the passage, and it'll make more sense to you than you've read it before with a chapter division. They have just accused Jesus of casting out demons by the prince of Beelzebub, demons, Satan. 
And Jesus went out, went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. First Simon, who was called Peter, Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus, and Lebius, whose surname is Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs. For a worker is worthy of his food. Now, whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy and stay there till you go out. And when you go into the house, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart from the house of the city, shake off the dust from your feet. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city." The first thing we want to look at regarding the heart of God towards man is found in verses 35 to 38. There we see how God sees mankind. Notice in verse 35 we are told that he went about teaching, preaching, and healing. And the balance of ministry that should be always operative in every church. We should not have churches who specialize in one thing. Now, we may have parachurch organizations that focus on one thing, but a church is to meet the balance of ministry. If not, it is not a church. It is a parachurch. It centers on the youth. It centers on prophecy. It centers on something. It centers on apologetics. But it is not a church. And it should never substitute the church. Notice in verse 36 that he sees man with compassion. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Compassion speaks of pity. The Old Testament speaks of the word loving kindness, the word hesed. It speaks about looking at someone who really is so downtrodden, someone who is so out of his, his own environment uh, in desperation that he cannot help himself. 
The problem with man is that he doesn't always see himself in that position. We have a false sense of who we are and our condition many times. Each of us looked at ourselves in the mirror this morning and we say, well, I look all right. But some of us may have cancer inside right now and we don't even know it. We're not able to assess our own condition so often because all we can see is what's outside. And even at that, we try to change what we don't like on the outside or just turn our head to it. God sees man with compassion because he says two things. Because they are weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Here we see the heart of, man, of God for mankind, the very center of it, the very life of it. He looks at man with compassion, seeing man as weak, unable to help himself, but not only weak within himself for that, but also weary because of all that he's confronted in life with, the deception, the turmoil, the tragedy, the disappointment. Man gets bombarded over and over and over again. Life is very, very difficult, but God is very, very good. The things that happen in our life are not exactly what God intended. They're the results of man's continued rebellion against God and sin and the consequence of sin. And so we cannot blame God completely for what is going on. And yet God will take the evil and he'll turn it for good. God will take the wrath of man and glorify himself if we will abide and wait and trust him. Sheep, there's no better imagery than a sheep. Weakness, vulnerability, stupidity, if you will. I mean, a sheep may be with the flock, and if he just makes an about face and sees the blue sky and nobody else around, he freaks out. He thinks he's lost. <laughs> you know, sometimes we look around and we freak out, don't we? We say, what in the world am I going to do? Where is God? How in the world did I get here? And we're so like sheep. But notice also in verse 37 that he sees mankind as a great harvest. If we only look at one another and say, oh, poor John. That's too bad he's going through that. But we have to go beyond that. He sees mankind as a great harvest. He said to the disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. How do we see mankind? How do you see your neighborhood? How do you see the place that you work at? Do you see them as a harvest, a great harvest? Or do you just look upon and say, boy, that's too bad that happened to him? You see, it has to go way beyond my, my sympathy and my emotion, but there has to be a diligent effort on my part if it's truly going to be sincere. In verse 38, God sees prayer as needful to send men out to the harvest. He's talking to disciples. He says, therefore, here's the conclusion. 
Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We can go out, and we should go out. But Jesus says, pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Do we pray for the lost sheep diligently? Or are we just satisfied that we have a full church and we're saved and we're okay and, and God is doing some work? No, no, never. I'm always content but never satisfied. You know the difference? Contentment is great peace and happiness to your life, but I hope you're never satisfied. I always expect a lot more from God, but I'm willing to stay right where He has me. It's up to Him. And we need to pray that God use each and every one of us. And if we look at the harvest as He sees the harvest, then it will drive us to our knees because we know we are unable to bring in the harvest. You see, unless we pray to God and unless God sends us, then we might bring in some shaft, <laughs> some wolves. We need to have God send us. And so, in these verses, we see how God sees mankind. Now, how do you and I fare up to that? If we don't fare up to it, then we need to line ourselves up with that. I hope you don't fall into mediocrity within the Christian community where you're satisfied with what God has done in your life, you're satisfied with what you see in the church, and you are totally oblivious to the people who are in misery, weary as sheep, having no shepherd. I hope you have the heart of God. And if you don't this morning, I pray that God rent your heart and let you see the pain and the hurtiness and the emptiness of the world around you. It's all over looking just at what men believe and what they're doing and what they're buying demonstrates the very vacuum of their heart. They're so desperate, they grab at anything and everything. Think of your own life. Maybe it's not that long ago where you were. If it's been quite a while, then I need for you to remember this morning. You remember that you didn't have direction in life? You didn't know where you were going? You thought you were cool? You had it together? But then God showed you you were blind, naked, and miserable, and you freaked out. Always remember that. Never forget that. Because that's where your friends, your loved ones, and mankind is. And we need to remember. We need to never forget. Having said this to his disciples, Verses 1 through 4, we see how God calls man. Notice first that he calls men after his own will. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, out of his own will he calls man. Now in the, those previous verses, God sees man as a harvest. In these four verses, God picks men to bring in the harvest. But he, does, he chooses men of his own will. The Gospel of Luke in Luke chapter 6 verse 12 tells us that Jesus chose the twelve after an entire night of prayer. God does not make mistakes. 
He chooses people. He chooses winners. But he chooses winners only by virtue of what he does in them, not by any virtue of their own. But it is his will and his will alone that calls mankind. I think often we make tragic mistakes as men and women call themselves into service, into ministry, or into something that God never called them. Now, please understand, God has called every one of us to something. So, fear that I do something that God hasn't called me to should never keep you from being used and being effective in the body of Christ. God has called you to do and to be something in the body of Christ, absolutely, besides occupying two feet of pew. A lot more than two feet of pew. And you and I need to seek Him for that. And so after prayer, He chooses these men, but notice also that He empowers these men who He calls. He gives them the authority. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease. You see, when God calls men, He gives them the ability to live out what He's called them to do. Peter tells us that He has given to you and myself all things pertaining to life and godliness. That means that you and I have all the potentials, all the capacity, all the essentials to live out a full, victorious, triumphant life of Christ. In spite of all that will come into your life and mine. If God has called you to full-time ministry, He will give you the gifts, the authority, the power, the doors, everything. Because He's not the author of confusion. And so often people say, well, you know, I, I, and they depend on man. They look to man, the arm of flesh. If God has called you, then God is sufficient for what he's called you to do. He's the one that's called you. He's the one that's going to equip you. He's the one that's going to take care of everything. Don't go to the extreme and say you just sit. No, you're a co-participant. But we are assuming that you've been called. And if you've been called, then you know it. But look at these men. He calls men in diversity. I mean, they are diverse as you can get. Peter, we're going to touch only some of them. Simon Peter. He's impetuous, he's impulsive. The reason he's falling on his face all the time is because he has both feet in his mouth. But you know what? I'd rather see you fall because you're trying to walk than just sit and say, I never fell. Well, no wonder you never walked. But Peter, one who says, Lord, I will never deny you. The one who says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And as Jesus said, Blessed thou art Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed to you, but my Father which is in heaven. He looked over to the other eleven and said, See? <laughs> and then he even rebuked Jesus as he goes on and says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and die. He grabs Jesus by his arm, takes him over, and he says, Over my dead body. Don't say that, Lord. And Jesus says, Get thee behind me, Satan. For you do not discern the things of God from the things of man. We're so spiritual sometimes and we're so carnal others, aren't we? This is Peter who he chose. He chose Matthew in verse 3, the tax collector, the publican. 
The traitor to Israel. The one who was profiting off of his own people. Nobody wanted to have anything to do with publicans, especially Jews. But Jesus did. You have Simon in verse 4. The Canaanite, which should really read the Canaanian, which means zealot in other, the other Gospels. Simon was a funny kind of guy. He loved Israel, and he would not put up with any foreign power over his nation. He was an avowed zealot. That meant that he was willing to lay his life down, to lose the life of his family, anything that had to be done to overthrow any foreign power that would want to stand over the nation of Israel. They were involved in many assassination attempts and many other things. And then you have Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed Jesus. Look at the diversity of men that he called. What is the common denominator? Jesus Christ. As you know in math, the reason you're looking for a common denominator is so you can make the division into it. The common denominator is Jesus, and he fits into every individual. Everyone. Who would dare put a zealot with a tax collector, a Jew? Matthew better thank God he did run into Simon before this. He would have cut his throat. And I can see Simon and Matthew walking with their arms around each other down the road following Jesus. But don't look so surprised. Look around. If we weren't in Jesus, we wouldn't be hanging out with one another this morning. There's some of us that would not dare to be caught together if we were in the world because we'd be too cool. We think more highly of ourselves than we ought. But all of a sudden, Jesus come into our life and we can accept one another for who we are. Christians, new creatures. The social, the economic, the educational. Everything else is washed away. And God takes the diversity of men and He uses them for His glory. That's the beauty of the church of Jesus Christ. And when it becomes the church of man, it's very obvious. You look around, everybody looks like the pastor like quacking ducks. But the church of Jesus Christ is as diverse, and probably maybe the most oddest one is the pastor. And if you knew things about your pastor, maybe you would have never hung out with him. That's the God we serve. This is how God calls men in diversity. Things that perhaps don't make sense to us and we say, how in the world would, you know, we look at people and we say, how can God use him? I'm more educated. I've been to school more. I can speak better. I can memorize better. Why doesn't God use me? Should I give you the answer? And God takes common, ordinary people blows people away. Not many wise, not many mighty, not many noble. 
Look around, people. Start at the pulpit and work your way down. And yet God chooses us for His glory, for His benefit. Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth about serving. Now you can request a copy of today's challenging message called God, the Harvest, and Man. It's available on CD for just $4. And be sure and pass it along to your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Now the title to ask for once again is God, the Harvest, and Man. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for including the call letters of this station when you contact us. Now, we've been saved to serve, but unfortunately, most Christians get saved but then just sit. Find out how to fulfill your calling when you join Pastor Xavier Reese next time on Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com